invite you to stand with me, please, as we jump right into the Word of God. Today, Lord, we are thankful to you for all that has taken place, the devotion, the devotion leader, the praise team, the, the members, the guests that have been here honoring and worshiping. Today, our prayer is that you will give us the ears to hear the Word of God, tenderize us today that we may be able to take in all that you are doing and all that you have for us. Anoint your vessel today, that God, that you will help me to proclaim with boldness the mighty word of God. We give all glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go back today to, a, to June the 9th, the passage that I, the message that I brought and have the same title for you, but part two. You left your old life of sin, stop looking back for companionship. You left your old life of sin, stop looking back for companionship. Now, from one of those Llewellyn kids, they're going to give me a transplant on my head. They're going to give me some hair. So, Aaron, one of you, y'all step, just y'all throw some dice, do something to determine who it's going to be. <laughs> Just, just letting you know right now. Just tie him up. Don't even think about leaving here. <laughs> In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 25-32, and then we're going to read a passage in Zechariah 8.16 and Psalm 4.4. But this is what it says in Ephesians, chapter 4. Verses 25 through 32, we have been in Ephesians for a while during our study. And this is how it reads in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Zechariah chapter 8, I'm going to just read it from the board here. Verse 16 says, These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Psalm 4.4. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. I'm just going to look at part A of that. Be angry and do not sin. Thank you, Sister Michelle. Letting go can be very difficult, a very difficult thing 
to do even when the very thing that we need to let go of causes us pain. It can be very difficult to let go. Lifestyles built in the wrong, in the wrong direction require a breaking of bad habits. I have a bad habit lately of taking a nap and waking up with a craving for some cereal, some cold cereal. Bad habit. Kellogg's, cinnamon, what is it, cinnamon crunch, whatever it is, or what's the name of that cereal we got? Anyway, I get different types, we get different types, and I've got to get my sugar fix. We find ourselves being convicted of things that we used to do that still crop up in our lives. We should have put some things, we should have let them go a long time ago. And yet we find ourselves still plagued with those issues. Christians often find themselves in a battle with themselves to let go of sin and grasp new things that God brings along with a new life in him. God wants us to have the best. That's something that I am still getting used to. He wants us to have the best, but it requires that you go through some things in order to get the best. You can't have the best always just handed to you. You've got to go through some things. You've got to work for some things. You've got to be challenged with some things. For those who have said yes to God, to the power of God's salvation, must live a life that is pleasing to him. And we must forsake those things from the past that bring displeasure to him. We've got to let go of the past. Your old life does not bring you the satisfaction that you think it brings you, but it brings you guilt. I know that some people get guilty when they see me coming around. They hide stuff from me. I drive around Marin City. Hey, Rev, how you doing? And put stuff behind their back. I saw one person was sitting on the back of a truck, and as I came, I saw them just slide the drink around on the other side. And I came right up to him. I saw you. I saw you. I saw you. No need to hide. Here it is. <laughs> we shouldn't have to feel like I've got to hide something. As a Christian, as a new person in Christ, as newness, we should be able to say, I am doing that which is right. I have divorced my old life, and I'm living for the Almighty God. You left that life of sin. Don't look for companionship to the old way. A couple of weeks ago, when we looked at part one, we had two points. And I'm going to just hit the third point. But let me just remind you what those two points were. The first was living without shame and embarrassment. And that primarily came from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 19. Living without shame and embarrassment. And the second that point that we made was, did you really hear the gospel? Raise it in the form of a question. Did you really hear the gospel? And that was Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. The third point that we want to address today is moving from that which is harmful to that which is beneficial. Moving from that which is harmful to that which is beneficial. Beginning with verse 25, 
the Apostle Paul starts a pattern that gives us three things. As you look closely, as he goes down through verse 32 and actually right into chapter 5, he starts with what is called a negative prohibition. He states a negative. Then he moves to a positive command. And then he gives the motivation or the reason for. He lists a negative. Therefore, leaving or having put away falsehood. That's the negative. Putting away falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth. Positive. What's the reason? We are members one of another. He follows that pattern down this list as he goes through. In the Septuagint, which is the the Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures, when people that spoke Greek were coming in, they didn't have the Hebrew scriptures. The Septuagint, you'll sometimes see it represented by a 70 in the Roman numerals LXX. It was the Greek translation, and the Septuagint is often quoted at least 300 times in the New Testament. The Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. In verse 25, the Apostle Paul goes back and grabs an Old Testament passage, Zechariah 8.16. Almost by, uh, by saying this in verse number uh, 25, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. To say that there is a connection from what he is saying, even if you look back to the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah, that there is foundation to what I am saying. There is a connection. When I was a kid, in order to avoid trouble, I thought I would lie at times. Don't look at me funny. You did too. You didn't tell the truth. And then to get out of more trouble, I would tell another lie. Haven't forgotten the sequence of what I said before. The problem with lying is that you've got to remember all the lies you told before. That's a problem. <laughs> did I really say that? No, I think you got it wrong. I didn't say it just like that, did I? Yes, you did. Speak the truth. Evidently, there was some lying going on because Paul raises, raises this issue as a problem. Speak the truth. The Gentiles were, were telling lies as he's talking to this group. It was their natural, their, their natural way of living was to try to get over on somebody. But he says, now that you've come to Christ, you've got to put falsehood behind you. That belongs to the past. Now you've got to speak the truth in love. <laughs> says and urges a lifestyle of putting away falsehood. Sometimes when you get stopped by the cops, so you know how fast you were going? No, officer, how fast? You know exactly how fast you were going. Because he said, you're going this speed. No, I wasn't. <laughs> 
There's a tendency to fall back into old patterns when something comes up that challenges us. When we are challenged with something, we will tend to fall back to that which we are most comfortable. And we've got to be very careful because our nature sometimes yearns for that which is against God. So it can be very easy to kind of tiptoe back into the thing that we used to do. You've got to be careful. You've got to be mindful. That is the trick of the enemy to try to pull you back from the progress that you've made to a life that has brought destruction in the past. You see, the body of Christ is hurt when one is not truthful. If you break your leg, you shouldn't say, my leg is not broken. I believe God. He's going to heal me. You need to go to the doctor. You, you, your leg is broken. Go to the doctor. Because if you don't and you just say, my leg is not broken, I'm going to just depend upon the Lord. Go take yourself to the doctor. Because what's going to eventually happen is that if you don't go to the doctor, it's going to change how you walk even in the future. And your whole body is going to have to compensate for the fact that you had an injury years ago. Your body has to make compensation for the fact that your body was injured. When you base a ministry on lies, that's a problem. Why? Because it affects the body of Christ. In the book of Acts, the Lord had to deal with this very, very early on with Peter when Ananias and Sapphira lied about what they had really done. It wasn't even, they didn't even have to do what they did. They didn't have to give. But in order to look good, they lied. Peter said, is this what you've given? Yes. And he says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? How has Satan so filled you to lie to the Holy Spirit? The Bible says he dropped dead right there. Husband. A few hours later, the wife came through, not knowing what had happened to her husband. And he asked the question, is this what you got for the land? Oh, yes, yes it is. It's what we got. How could you conspire with your husband to lie to the Holy Spirit? He says, wasn't it in your possession to do with what you wanted to do? It, it was yours. Nobody forced you to do it. He says, the feet that carried your husband out are standing at the door, and they're going to carry you out too. And she dropped dead. And the Bible says that fear spread through the church. Why? Because the church was just starting. It was being set foundationally. And the Lord refused to have his church started and set on lies. And there was judgment set from the very beginning. The Bible says they feared. And that they, you're going to know the conversation was, don't y'all lie. Don't, 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 don't lie. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. You remember what happened to them. You don't want to be like them. He says, for the body of Christ, the body of Christ, when there's lying in the body of Christ, it sets the course in the wrong direction. The body has to adjust to that. But if it's based on truth, oh, there's a great benefit. And so Paul encourages and urges that one builds their ministry on truth. Got to quickly move on. Verses 26 and 27 uh, Paul goes back and now he uses an Old Testament passage from the book of Psalms. Psalm 4 4 is the source. Someone has Psalm 4 4? Part A only of the verse. Read it if you have it. 
or unless you memorized it. Who has Psalm 4-4? Whoever has it, please find it quickly and just read part A of the verse. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry is not necessarily a command that Paul is given in the sense that you ought to be angry. Now, of course, there's some things that we have to be angry about. But what Paul is saying that if you get angry, don't allow your anger to lead to sin. You see, anger is an emotion that God has given us. The fact of the matter is that when we say we are made in God's image, he has given us the ability, what? To think. We have knowledge. We have emotion. Intellect, emotions, and will. Intellect, emotions, and will. When God says, let us make man in our image, this is what it was referring to. Intellect, emotions, will. God gave anger as an emotion. We have anger not for the sake of using it against a person. But, but Paul says we, he knows in life there are going to come times when you're going to get angry. There are going to be times when something bothers you. But he puts some safeguards around this matter here. Be angry. Sin not. You see, if anger goes unchecked, it will eventually lead to sin. Now I'm, going to, I'm going to read this passage here again. And Ephesians, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, in the Old Testament, and, and, and in fact, in some of the Greek cultures, one of the things that they would do is that when they became angry with the person, they would, by the end of the day, go shake hands to get it right. Because they knew that anger would lead to bitterness and it would lead to a whole other type of problem. And so the Greeks, would, 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 they would go get it right, and they would shake hands. And the Lord says, don't let the, your, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So by sunset, in other words, for the day is over, get it right. The problem that we have is that we allow anger to build and build and build. So 18 years later, boy, think about it. 18 years later, kids are moving out the house, going their own. Become an adult. Anger has been growing all that time and now has become an adult. And they don't want to leave. It wants to stay right there with you. Can I stay home with you? I don't want to leave. Kick it out. Anger shouldn't be welcome. Kick it out. In fact, it needs to be gone by the end of the day. What's the issue? Because it gives the devil a foothold. You see, anger allows Satan an advantage in your life. This is what Paul says. Look at what he says. He, he says, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your, on, your, on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And give no opportunity. Why? Because if anger is left unchecked, uh, Satan will do this. And you know what he does when he, the door is already open. And you know, <laughs> you know what he does? You know some people? Hello, anybody home? If the door's cracked, they just push the door open. Anybody home? They kind of look around. You ever have that? And they would just, they would just come on in. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought my door was closed. 
No, no, it was propped open. <laughs> the devil will take that as an invitation and will put his arm around you. You sitting on the couch, he come and sit right beside you. You, you know, the person you upset with, I wouldn't let that go because it was wrong, wrong, wrong what they did to you. So I got the best plan right now for us. So let me tell you what you need to do. Number one, you need to think about it the rest of the day. <laughs> Don't even think about taking no breaks. Go to the bathroom, just carry it on with you. You're sitting down to eat. In fact, you're not going to even be able to eat and enjoy your meal because you're so angry. That's okay. You'll get hungry later. Time for bed. Don't worry about sleeping tonight. <laughs> just sleep another day. You ain't sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna, we just going we to step all night long. How good is that, carrying anger all that time? Paul says, don't let the sun go. Go get it right. Why? Because the devil uses it as an opportunity. <laughs> Even in the book of James, he talks about it. Book of Peter, chapter 1. He prowls like a lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking. He's searching. And what does he do? He's looking for the opportunity. So any door that's left open, it's an invitation, and he's going to use it. Don't allow the enemy the opportunity to come through. James 4, 7, 1 Peter 5, 8. <laughs> Verse 28. So I can just move on. I'm just... Got to move on so that I don't keep you here all day long. This is what it says. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Uh, the word that Paul uses for this word here, work, it is a word that means strenuous. In other words, Paul says that with your hands, you are to work to the point of exhaustion. To the fact that you come home and you can't hardly move, you just pass out on the floor. Oh, Lord. That's what Paul is talking about. Work to the point with your hands. You've been, he said, using it for stealing. Don't do that. But use your hands for an honest day's work labor. To the point of exhaustion. Thank God. I'm looking for the day one day when I grow up where I can retire. So I'm asking the Lord by the time I'm 105 that he'll give me some rest. I'm going to be here for 100, well, okay, 110 maybe. <laughs> manual labor. Now Paul doesn't mean that one has to do manual labor, but this is an example that he used because Paul was a tent maker. And so when he was out ministering, he had to oftentimes work to, in order to make a living until others came along to do some work so that he can then work in the ministry. But the problem that he has addressed here is that there were some people that were being lazy. They, were, they could be young. They were, well, in fact, there was a group of people, I think even Thessalonians, I'm not quite sure where, where they even stopped working because they said the Lord is coming back one day and we just need to stop and wait and just wave our hands. And wait for him. They stopped working. Paul said, y'all go back to work. The second coming hasn't happened yet. Stop being busy by and go to work, he said. Today I am convinced 
that the politicians that are running today telling you they're going to give you free stuff, y'all need to stop believing that. It ain't free. It's going to cost something. Paul says work hard. Now get this. So that you can have something to give to a person in need. You got your obligation that you have to take that you have that you have before you, but then he also says you have something that you can now help someone else with, then they can help someone else with. I am so tired of people talking about free, 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 free. It's not. And it's not even biblical. And people go, oh, yeah, it's free. It is not. I tell you, I didn't study all them years for my school and go to work in counseling to say, okay, now give me what you got. It don't belong to you. Yeah, it don't belong to you. I love to be able to give and help people. Don't demand it. It's a privilege. And do you not know the church has been the ones who's come alongside and been the most giving of any group? The church. I tell you this before all the time. Then when it came to people, my family in the south and your family, take this piece of meat over to such and such. Take this plate down the road. Man, we have some fresh meat. Well, I'm going to say it's every day, but for dinner, that lamb that was playing out, in the, he was dinner that night. Those chickens that were out there, they became dinner. We had molasses and, oh, oh, yes. And they'll take some of this food and take it over there, and they didn't run out. Poor, poor, poor. But they worked hard for their, for their labor, for their living. They worked hard, and God blessed them. How many acres did Grandpa hear me? Was it 800? 100? I thought it was 800. <laughs> was it 800? It's 100. Okay. Minus 700. 100. <laughs> to get that kind of land back then and to save, man, that was a lot. But they believed in hard work. And today we have a culture that says, give me and willing to ride over what belongs to you. And you got people telling them that they deserve it. The Bible says, work hard for yourself. So that you have something to be able to share with somebody else. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about freeness. Such as that. Even the people when the Lord says, well, let me back up. Even when the Lord says when, there was, when the land was being gleaned, he told those who owned the land. He now, now, this is your land. I want you to leave some for the poor. So don't go back a second time. Leave some on the edges. But they have to come and get it. Bless you with the field. I'm going to bless your crops. But you ain't got to pick it for them. But allow them to come through. And so there was a system set into place for those that didn't have much to be able to walk through and to glean. Perfect story is the book of Ruth. Where Ruth would go and work and her mom would say, her mother-in-law, where did you glean today to get all of this? And so we have Jesus coming through this line. Kinsman Redeemer. Her working, her diligence paid off big time. She wasn't not complaining, well, I don't have enough. I'm tired. No, she got out there and worked. 
Boaz told the men, don't bother her. In fact, leave a little extra for her as she goes through. Blessed her. You are blessed for your labors. And so we need to enjoy and understand that God gave work as a blessing. Don't allow people to tell you that work is not good. God bless your work, gave it as a, as a benefit to the church and to people. Today we got people scared of work. It's a plague today. Lord, if I work, God, my time is gone. I got two minutes. I'm going to have to come back to this. Give me one minute and I'll be done. I'll let you out. We are out by one. I will honor that. But he says, work hard. And he's telling this to the church, the body of Christ. Remember, you left your old life of sin. Now God has set you on a course for him, and he's going to bless you as a result just because you belong to him. Bless the Lord. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Thank the Lord. We serve a great and an awesome God who, who, who wants to give us the best and in fact has by giving us his son died on the cross for our sins. Now what else will God not give us? What good thing will God withhold for you if he's only already gave you a son? The very best. Lord, in this place today, we pray that the word of God will be hidden in our hearts so that when we need it, it can come to the surface. In those times when we are being tried and the enemy comes in like a flood, that God, the standard of God's word will be raised and we'll be able to stand on his word, your word. Then God, keep May we work hard with what you have given us, realizing that it is a blessing. It is an honor to be able to use the tools that you've given us to bring glory and honor to your name. To be able to help the body of Christ to make it and to succeed. We thank you right now for your grace and your glory. And as we leave this place today, help us to never leave your presence. We bless you and we honor you. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.